Welcome to yet another fine slice of Eurobliss pie. Now, tonight, me and my lads are going to do one of those gorgeous Desert Island Disc shows, which means it's time again for a brand-new special guest to join us here at our spacious luxury headquarters in Cable Street in Limehouse. So, without further ado, special guest, I'm going to give you a little bit of a drum roll here. Hang on a second. Oh, I love that. We humbly bow to thee. Reveal yourself. What's your name and where do you come from? Hey, y'all. I'm William Lee Adams from Wee Wee Blogs via Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, he's finally coming to the studio. I've gone goosey. It's very exciting for us to have you here tonight. And uh, how are you? Oh, thank you for having me. Pleasure. You had joked previously it was like being in a shed, like a garden shed. Uh-huh. I don't have that vibe. It's like a bohemian artist studio. Oh, you're so cute. No, it is, though. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a movie about New York in the late um, 80s. I've <laughs> sit in sheds that's bigger than this, I can tell you. Oh, mm. bless you. you do, that's what you do, though, isn't it? I know. Mm. Uh, so everyone in Eurovision land knows your name. You are the world most influential Eurovision viewer, according to a Dutch magazine. I read that in your book. Uh, How does that make you feel? Oh, it's funny, isn't it? It's just funny. Because, you know, I love Eurovision. You love Eurovision. We speak the same language. These, yeah, these things are silly when people say things like that. I know, but it's a nice thing to hear, though, isn't it? I mean, you blog like a madman. Your uh, Wee Wee Blogs team comprises now of more than 50 correspondents worldwide. Yeah, they're they're all over the place, yeah. And your blogs and your live videos are always fun, entertaining, articulate and informative. So thank you for being there for us, because without you and without your gang, Eurovision will be a lot less fun. I'll give you a pair of applause, actually. <laughs> I'm overworking my little gadget, aren't I? <laughs> So we wanted to gently slip inside your head tonight for an hour or so and discover more about you through the power of song. You've given us a list of your favourite Eurovision songs, a hard and somewhat brutal task, I think. How difficult was it to choose 12 from about 1,800? Oh, I got to 30, and that was only (laughs) looking at the past, you know, 15 years, Uh because I had to draw a line somewhere, because if we had gone back to the very beginning, there would have been surprises and twists and turns, and um, I was already, like, two weeks late sending them to you, so I said, William, make a decision. (laughs) He's not wrong there. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So before we dip our sweet toes into your playlist, here's some quick-fire easy-peasy questions just to kind of settle you into the zone, okay? What was the first show you remember watching? Uh, Eurovision 2007 from Helsinki. I was in Vauxhall, South London, with an Irish woman, a British man, now my husband, and, um, yeah, it was batshit crazy to my innocent (laughs) American eyes. That was really... Was was that a good introduction year for Eurovision? I think Mollet versus a winner is a nice way to start your. I mean, Lasha Tumbai, come on now. Terry Wogan was a pain in the arse, so I remember that, yeah. Has your favourite song ever won Eurovision, or is Eurovision quite painful for you to watch? 
Ooh, you know, I always root for the underdog mm -hmm. and they typically lose. <laughs> so, but your Eurovision final night must be very sort of chaotic and loud in the press room surrounded by noise and chaos. Do you like crave one time to watch it in the comfort of your own home oh. in front of the, with a bottle of vodka? Oh, it's interesting. Maybe some hard gin, grapefruit juice. Um, <laughs> yeah, I gotta say that the thrill of being in the press center has kind of gone down over the years. Because, I don't know, by then it's actually the easiest night because all the hard work is before, the two weeks before, the interviews, the stress. And then on the night, you just want to enjoy. And um, the press room's become a bit, I don't know, like a penitentiary. So, like prison, <laughs> it's just not as um, exciting as it used to be. Oh, good. I don't feel too bad about it now. So, like, you know, I think prison sounds kind of fun. There is no soap <laughs> in, the, in this prison. It's got a filthy mind. So I see in your list your earliest choice is from 2008. So does that mean you haven't watched any of those old shows in their entirety from before then? Oh, no. I love Nicole, Germany. Oh. What was she, 80, 81? Um, early 80s, beautiful. Okay, so if, if we said, like, uh, you know what we're talking about. I heard some Swedish, I think. No. <laughs> also the pronunciation, honey. Ella Kern, Ella Mer. Fuck off, I said it wonderful. <laughs> this show, last question, this show is all about your favourites, but there must be at least one Eurovision song out there that you absolutely loathe uh, and you can't kind of reach the end of it. Oh, I, I mean, we, how much time do you got? Oh, there's loads. I would need okay. to see a list, but um, yeah, there are a lot. Can I actually look at a list? Uh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> go for it. I thought you were going to say, oh, no, I can't possibly say anything. <gasps> oh, should I not? Oh, no, no please, say do, it. please do. You have say to. It. We, 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 okay, you're not going to be sued. And also, we say it all the time. We don't hold back. Here. No, it's nothing personal. Of course not. It's, it's nothing Eurovision. personal. Beautiful singer. I'm just thinking from a recent edition. I didn't really like Bridges from Estonia. I just, it doesn't speak to me. And I respect the voice. I respect the singer, the artist, but it just gets lost. We said in our shows that we felt it was rather cold and withdrawn and almost calculated. And I think Juan, I'm paraphrasing Juan, Juan said, it's as though someone sent her out there with a song that she didn't want to sing, but she did a really good job of it because she's professional, but she wanted to be singing something else. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, she wanted to be like a soul R&B diva, and she was singing like that song. I think for all of us, it's not water under the bridge, but bridge underwater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ask me the same question, I would honestly say, yes, I do have a song that I really absolutely loathe, and it's on this playlist tonight. <laughs> oh, I'm glad he's sitting over there. Do you feel as though you've been trapped? Yeah, oh, goodness, you, you locked the door, didn't you? <laughs> Uh, you've just published your first book, uh, Wild Dances, My Queer and Curious Journey to Eurovision. Congratulations, Yumi Cummings. Oh, oh no. no! I've read it, Mark's read it, Juan hasn't read it, no. but he still loves you. Okay. Are you rich now? Oh, no, no. Oh, it doesn't no. work that way, sadly. Um, <laughs> but Mr. Cummings sends his regards. Oh, that's going to be my new porn name, not really my new porn star name. <laughs> so I'm going to introduce each of your 12 Desert Island choices. You can tell us why you've picked them. Then we're going to play the song. Juan's going to fiddle with his knobs in the corner. And uh, we'll have a little discussion about each one. Then Mark's going to put on his posh BBC broadcasting voice and playfully probe you about your book as and when. And of course, this room is heavily soundproofed and no one is going to be able to hear you scream. Do I need to sign a release form? No, <laughs> because you're not going to be released. <laughs> Thank you for the playlist. It's a great playlist, apart from one song. And I'm loving that there isn't even a hint of a UK song uh, among your favourites. And you pretty much ditched the, B the big five as well. Confessional. And Scandinavia. Gotta tell you, mm. I like Dad Sampson, that song. 
oh, from 2006. Oh, that's a guilty pleasure. Yeah. My God. That's a very guilty pleasure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's kick off. Any order, or should we just sort of toss one off as and when? Toss as you'd like. <laughs> let's go chronologically then. Uh, you want you want to toss one off for me? I was going to say we usually do. <laughs> <laughs> Starting in 2008, one of our all-time favourite songs. This was on your Desert Island playlist, wasn't it? It's the wonderfully progressive and endlessly entertaining Lacquer and his sister Mirella for Bosnia. Why this one? You know, I remember watching that year. I was in a hotel in Budapest. I was with a friend, and she had kind of passed out. But then this came on, and she woke up in a haze like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and I was like, you got the feeling right. This is batshit crazy. It's like you don't know what it is. You're like, is it a love song? Is this lady high on drugs? Um, the announcer, I think, had said that they were siblings. And so you're like, whoa, you know, are they still siblings in the performance or not? And then you work it out. And it's just fun. It's uplifting. It's sweet. It's really catchy. You know that bit when they jump up in the air with their arms in the air? Do you jump with them? So sadly, no, I'm seated. <laughs> we always jump, I don't always we? Jump. Yeah. I always jump. You jump? Uh, not really. My cup of tea, the song. It's not an all-time favourite hate or anything like that, but, I mean, you know me. I like my Balkan ballads and my French ballads. I'm not a jumper, am I? But you like the stage show? Yeah. If you jumped, you'd have a hernia. And she worked. <laughs> well, that also leave me statins on the ground, wouldn't I? I've got to take those every night, so you know. Let's play the song. Let's pokusai. <laughs> Prevarim faunu i floru Da život nije postao u moru Nego od ljubavi Ležeći jedući banane Pa spado smo na niske grane Bez ljubavi Ljubavi, ljubavi Bez ljubavi Pokušat ću da te poljubim, a 
How many days did we spend lying down eating bananas? I love that. I think it's right funny. <laughs> I spent a few, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can all relate, lying down eating bananas. Oh, my God. Well, well that's a different thing. <laughs> my, my question for William on this song is, if you turn the sound down and doesn't listen to the music and just saw this visually for three minutes, what's it all about? Ah... <laughs> Drug, not drug overdose. I would say drug-induced um, evening. Mm-hmm. It, it just looks unhinged. It yes. looks really free, carefree. So it's like the children's play box, but like the adult version of that. Yeah. Um, and I just love the progression, to be honest. Like, it doesn't progress like a typical song does. So you've got all these ladies shouting at one point. You've got the male and female shouting at one point. It just builds in a really original way. I would say... It celebrates sort of the inner child. And the performance is adults behaving like children in an unhinged, uncontrolled way. Yeah, there's something about the nursery rhymey about it, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah, based yeah. on a nursery rhyme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, the, but also, when I looked at it again recently, there was a lot of you know women hanging clothes up, women looking as though they wanted to escape from these positions on the stage where they were initially quite confined. But by the end, there's a... Bit of, more than a bit of a feminist undercurrent, isn't there? That's actually a really good point because she uses the full runway. Not actually, a lot of artists that year didn't actually use the full runway, but she did. She, she ran. takes off like a plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks like Helena Bonham Carter as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, can we just ask William a little bit about before we go into the next song? Um, the book, which I've read, uh, and and Andy, me too. Uh, read too. Yeah. Um, People will be really, really surprised when they've seen you, William, on Wee Wee Blogs, this happy camp. Camp is a word of praise, not a word of anything but No praise. shade taken. Yeah, and we can all apply that to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but it, the book is very dark in places, and I just want people to know, listen to this podcast, that um, it's a very, very rich... And, and, and human book. And I just wondered in a, you know, a sentence or two, what you really wanted to get out of putting all that into, what is it, three, 250, 300 words more of, of, of writing? Mm, yeah, 125,000 words. I mean, your parents. I didn't know anything about your mm. dad being in the Vietnam War, meeting your mother in Vietnam, the, the siblings you have, the very difficult upbringing you had in... Uh, Atalanta. I mean, it's extraordinary. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you for reading, both of you, because I know how everyone is so busy. Y'all have got your podcast. You've got all this production going on. It takes a lot of time to read a book, so thank you so much. Um, I guess with the book, this isn't the book I wanted to write, and I'll try to keep this to a few sentences, but I wanted to write the nonfiction reported book about Eurovision, all the tea I've been sipping on behind the scenes at these national selections for many years. I pitched that idea to 35 publishers in the UK. I got 35 rejections. So I went oh, wow. to the- Tasteless yes. creeps. You know what they always said? What? They said, the writing's great, but who cares about Eurovision? And I was like, excuse oh, me. Oh, excuse well, me. they're not coming on the program. <laughs> Eurobliss does not approve. But there's a huge <laughs> stigma in certain circles within the 
UK. And so, you know, publishing types can be a bit uppity, quite frankly. Um, so we went to the United States. They don't know what Eurovision is, so they're more open-minded. And it was just the opposite. People were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. However, we want you to explain, you know, why do you like all this? Like, we want it to be less about Eurovision, but more about why you love it. And so it became, in short, a book about how the darkness of my childhood prepared me to embrace the glitz and glamour of Eurovision. Well, we'll talk more about that as the programme goes along, but it does that brilliantly. And um, and for those of you listening who think, oh, there's a huge book here about Eurovision, probably about 10 or 15% of the book is Eurovision yeah. uh, and how you arrive there. But actually a lot of it is about not only survival, but embracing something called self-belief that comes from somewhere within you and knocking it out of the park and basically saying, either life dominates you or you dominate life and you definitely belong to the second group. Well, I cried. Anyway, let's move on here. <laughs> uh, we find ourselves in 2009, an excellent year. Uh, so many great songs in 2009. So it's great to have one song from this year. You've chosen a song from Romania, Elena Gorgi. Did I pronounce that right? And her song, The Balkan Girls. She just finished 19th. You must have been fuming. Oh, I was fuming. You know, I don't bet, but that year I bet. My friend Vanu and I were like, oh, she's going to kill this. She's going to slay. Because Romania at that time, you know, it was considered a consistent qualifier. They could yeah. do no wrong. Yeah, they yeah. were good. And then that turned up in Moscow, and it just looked a little cheap, to be honest. And I hate to say that because she was one of my favorites. But it was basically, do you all have, like, maypoles here? People dance around a pole with some ribbon? Mm. It just felt like that. And I was corrected by readers on the blog. This is when I launched the blog, was just before... Um, the 2009 contest, and people were like, those are actually Ilele, magical fairies in the Romanian forest. I'm like, oh, excuse me, I did not know. <laughs> but I love the stripper versions of Ilele. <laughs> you get schooled by um, Eurovision readers all the time, and so this was one of my first learnings. Well, it's 14 years on, and I've just found out that, about that now as well, so no one told me. Um, it's Play the Balkan Girls.
That's a nice little comment on YouTube from this lad. Quote, I am an American man and this song makes me feel like a Balkan girl. Isn't that lovely? I love that. He sounds like my kind of guy. I mean, speaking of which, if the male gaze was a Eurovision song, I mean, I would be very surprised if a woman had anything to do with this song, to be completely honest. <laughs> um, William, you had this song played at your wedding. Yeah, it was funny. The registrar was slightly homophobic. Her name was Matilda, and she was kind of looking at me and my partner <laughs> like, what's wedding? going on? Yeah, oh, Marlowe wow. Town Hall. Funny enough, where Paul McCartney married maybe his second or third wife. It's a very modest room, though. It's very modest. But anyway, all she had to do was press play on the you know, stereo, and I think she was expecting Paca Bell's cannon. Instead, she got bongo drums and Elena Gorge, you know, <laughs> slaying the Balkan girls. But she smiled, so it warmed the room. Which gives me a little chance to ask about Ben. Yeah. I mean, is Ben the reason why you're sitting here now in the UK? Absolutely. Is Ben the reason why you love Eurovision? You know, no offence to anyone in this country, which I love. It's my adopted home. Love it here, pay my taxes. God save the king and queen, all of that. Love it. However, I didn't want to move here. Like, it was not it was not on my radar to live in the United Kingdom. Uh, I wanted to go to New York, Boston, stay there, be done with it. But he, uh, after 9-11, visas in the U.S. changed. It was quite difficult. He was studying in the U.S., and they kicked him out of the country, so he had to come back to England. So it was just easier for me to come here, is uh, how I got in the country. And then when I was, I was studying on a student visa, and he said, you've got to come to this Eurovision party. I'm like, Eurovision? Is that an eye disease? What the, what the hell is Eurovision? <laughs> and I was really skeptical. I didn't know what it was. Um, this is before YouTube. You know, when I was growing up, there wasn't YouTube, right? So Eurovision was not on my radar. Um, but then I went to that party in 2007, and I was like, y'all, shut up! Shut up! <laughs> they were all yapping and talking. Uh, like, we're oh, with you. We hate oh, people who talk during the You had the, the right instinct straight away. You were born yeah. to do this. Thank you so much. Mm. I, it, talkers at a Eurovision party? Go to the pub. No, 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 Go no, to no. the pub! Yeah. I mean, you can talk in between the songs. But one more prurient question about Ben. Do you recall your first meeting and who said what to whom? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% remember this. I had a part-time job at the library, and um, basically there were these, this rare collection of books. You could only take them out for three hours, and everyone in these courses, they needed these rare books. And so if I liked you, I'd be like, absolutely. But if I didn't like you, I was like, sorry, don't have it. And, uh, <laughs> some of these people were really mean. They treated you like the hired help, and that's what we were. <laughs> we were being paid. But it was like they treated you like dirt. And um, he was really lovely. He came in, and I was thinking... Ooh, when he talked, he was like, oh, hello, hi, hi, hi. And I was like, that's like Hugh Grant in that movie with Julia Roberts, you know? He fancy. And, um... <laughs> Is that how he talks? He's so British. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's from the West Country, Dorset. Mm. Um, he just sounds... To me, got a bit of an R. So his dad does. He, he doesn't R as much, but, um... Yeah. Anyway. So was it was it love at first sight? I told my seatmate at the desk at the library, I said, Richard, it's happening. He's like, why? Do you have to go to the bathroom? I'm like, no, it's happening. And then I talked to Ben, and then he walked away, and I said, that's my husband. <gasps> Literally. And then we had our first date. That was only like a 10, 15-second conversation. And then we had our first date maybe two days later. It was his birthday. And one of his friends was like, do you want to go to his birthday party and jump out of the cake? And I was like, absolutely. And in America, you have to be 21 to drink, right? Or you can't buy alcohol till you're 21. And so I had just turned 21. So I was like, total teetotaler. Go to the bar. His friend keeps giving me whiskeys with Coke. I'm like, I have another. And um, long story short, we may have gone home together that evening. And it's now been 21 years. Oh. <laughs>
Oh, he's got to come on and do his Desert Islanders. Yes, you could do a duo. There would be no Eurovision. It'd be like, I don't know, Renaissance choral music. Does he hate Eurovision? Hates a strong word, but yes. <laughs> he watches it though out of camaraderie, uh, uh, solidarity. So, so your moral of the story is always put out on the first date. Something like yeah. that. <laughs> Maybe always have a Coke on your first date. <laughs> Coca-Cola. Right, let's run away. It's 2010, and I think I'm okay to say that the best song doesn't always win. Eurovision. This next choice of yours came 22nd, but if you look at the, some of the songs that it beat, that beat it. You'd wonder why. And I'm guessing this is something to do with a certain saxophonist. Uh, spill the beans, William Lee Adams. Oh, my goodness. The lyrics are truly appalling. And this was the <laughs> first time I ever wrote something like, did they write with Google Translate? Because this is when Google Translate was still relatively new. And you could see how they very clearly did that because the lyrics make no sense. But it was so addictive. And when you heard it, you're like, whoa, this is this is crazy. This is what Eurovision is. It's giving Moldova the same stage as, you know, powerful UK, France. And I loved that idea. And I think part of the reason I chose this was actually just looking back years later because I went to the Moldovan selection after going to the Swedish selection, this is 2014. So you go from the glitz and glam of Sweden where they're serving, you know, duck terrine at a welcome event and <laughs> Sana Nilsson is in the room gliding in and there's Ace Wilder. And it was just so expensive, right? 60,000 people in the arena. But the next week you're in Moldova and like you're covering it as press, but there's you got, no- what, cabbage soup? Oh, you get nothing. <laughs> like we were hanging out by the toilets and we just had to grab people as they went into rehearsal. And it was like, su- it was such a contrast. And then in subsequent years, you know, Moldova, with their 5,000 euro budget, will sometimes beat Sweden, you know, like they did in Lisbon. Benjamin Ingrosso was like, what, last with the public or near last? And I think Moldova came top 10. And so, and they had a 5,000 euro budget. And I just love that, how at Eurovision, you start at zero, whether you're from wealthy Sweden or, you know, less wealthy Moldova. Oh my God. Um, interesting. Uh, should we play the uh, Sunstroke Project? Let's do it. Let's do it.
wiggling going on there in studio for that song. So I've got a question for William about this song. Why, given the fact that the DNA musically of this in 2010 is what it is, and it ends, what was it, 20 22nd? Uh, seven years later, Sunstroke Project are back. They come third with Epic Sex Guy. Now, is it Sex Sacks. Guy? <laughs> sex hey, Sacks we, Guy. We don't know what goes on behind <laughs> Sex Sacks, take, take it as you want. But the thing is, <laughs> I, you know, you might say, oh, well, the staging was better, all those smart suits and it was more slick. But, I mean, that's a hell of a jump from 22 to 3. Yeah. Is it because tastes had changed or what? The songs were shit that year. Yeah, I think mm. Salvador mm, might uh, agree to disagree. But... Yeah, you know, I kind of feel like outside of the top few favourites, it's almost like a you could shake a sock with numbers in it. Because after the top few, it really does get mysterious to me why things end up like they yeah. do. Yeah. And I would say that with um, 2010, the stage was just really basic. It was just lights, right? You couldn't do much with it. And so they had a man on a platform spinning and a guy thrusting with a saxophone. There's only so much you can do when there's just lights behind you. But in 2017, you know, you had the kind of visuals on the back. The LEDs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and hostile brides. I mean, come on. Fair point. Um, so, I mean, by 2010, Wee Wee Blogs had been up and running for just over a year. I mean, just take us through what the hell made you want to start this up mm. um, and, and also the name of the title. I mean, we're called Eurobliss because there's a bit of Eurovision in there, but you know, Wee Wee Blogs, what's all that about? <laughs> so, I guess Wee Wee Blogs is like Joe Blogs, but gay and fabulous. So it's like, mm -hmm. back then, Perez Hilton was the only blogger I could name, and it was built around someone's personality. So I was like, okay, I'll have a fake identity. I'll be Wee Wee Blogs. And Wee Wee obviously means penis <laughs> for little children. But the reason I went with Wee Wee was because I lived with I lived in Vietnam for a while, and my roommate was a French girl who couldn't say William. So she always said, Wee Wee, I want to go in the nature. And so <laughs> Wee Wee, I, I would drag my ass out to the nature. And um, so it just stuck. And the idea for a blog was born more of like my frustration at work than it was about a passion for Eurovision. So in May 2009, I was like, I need to start a blog. Like, and I literally went on YouTube and I was searching for topics and Elena Gorge from Romania came on the screen. Woman on a horse, bongo drums blaring. She's going to an underground nightclub in a desert in Romania. I didn't know Romania was a Balkan country at that time. I always thought of the ex-Yugoslavia. And um, so I was learning. I was like, all right, we're going to make this about Eurovision. And then I just went with it. So you, did, you didn't sit there and think, oh, here's a fantastic market opportunity. No one's doing this. Uh, it's a real great chance to launch something huge. I mean, it really did start like a tiny little acorn. Yeah, it was an experiment. It was just, can I do something fun and will anyone pay attention? And 
it was after, I think it was 10 days, it was 125,000 clicks. And I was like, whoa, there's something to this. And um, yeah, it was just... And was it, was it just you by yourself in that first year or two, or were you already getting people to join with you? It was just me. But then the following year, I have a friend named Venu, and he's actually half Finnish, half Indian, and we studied together in Boston, and he happened to live in London as well. And he had learned about Eurovision in a college Swedish class. The teacher made him watch Melody Festival. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I love the and teacher. We indoctrinate early. Say this. <laughs> and so I was like, babe, do you know about this Eurovision thing? And he said, yeah, there's this documentary about the junior Eurovision song contest called Sound Like Sounds Like Teen Spirit. So we watched this junior Eurovision documentary and it was so moving. And so then that's sort of how things snowballed. Astonishing. I mean, uh, you know, for those people who don't know Weebly Blogs, and I can't believe if you're listening to this, you don't know Weebly Blogs, but the fact of the matter is, apart from writing this book and launching this website, but I'm willing, you and your colleagues, Deborah and others, are frequently now called upon to be jurors in national finals, aren't you? Oh, I mean, you, you decide which songs go to Eurovision indirectly. It's really stressful. It's really <laughs> stressful. Can I just ask, as a massive fan, how was Benidorm? You were, oh. you were in Benidorm, right? No, 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 we're going to get to that later. Oh, we're, we're getting to that later. Okay. I have a funny fan story for you. Please oh remind me. Oh, my God. Me. Yes, please. Oh, my goodness. Well, oh, that one. Let's go on to the next one. So you've gone for uh, one of our forgotten heroes. I got to see songs on your list that didn't make a final. And another one coming up straight after this one, too. So we're off to Bulgaria for three minutes in the company of Sophie Marinova. And to be honest, when I first heard this song, I thought it was going to win, but I never get it right because I'm useless. So Love Unlimited is your favourite Bulgarian song, apparently. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> Because it, you would never hear this on UK radio, would you? No. It's never. just... The moment you hear it, oh, beautiful, huh? beautiful. You don't know if it's from another century. You don't know if she stepped on a nail. You don't know what's going on. You just know there's this sound. And then the, I love you so much. It, it's just a beautiful mess, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, beautiful mess. Well done. E exactly. Yeah. But can I say something? She, if she had zero staging, right? It was a purple screen, and then at, towards the end, like a circular orb kind of shot some sparks. If she had had any staging, any budget, she would have made the final. Yes. It's a hard watch, because she's on her own, and oh. doesn't matter how wide she tries to smile, her smile never fills the stage, do you know what I mean? It's a big smile. Also, well. in the beginning, she was off key, and that totally threw her off. You could tell she was nervous throughout the performance. Let's play that <laughs> lovely song. <laughs> Granica, ezik 
She came joint tenth in her semi-final, but lost out on a count back by uh, uh, from uh, the Norwegian guy, the sexy Tuji. What do you think about that? Ah, oh, you know what? All respect to Tuji, but <laughs> this is the song that lasts. Years later, it still makes you move. Um, no respect to Tuji. Um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, for, for me, this is one of the best party anthems in Eurovision history. I absolutely love it. It is criminally underrated, criminally underrated. She's giving all the Bulgarian gypsy wedding singer realness, like in her in her identity with this EDM package. It is a fantastic entry. Thank you for choosing it. It's yes. actually one of my favorites. <laughs> the boots got her into the top. Okay. It was, uh, it's one of the, the great pitters that he didn't win because I'd love to have seen the Russian grannies on the stage doing a reprise of the whole thing, you know, with a dance routine. <laughs> that would have been marvelous, wouldn't it? Um, so, uh, um, now then, when you sent us your list... Uh-oh. Uh, let's just say, I'm being very polite here, eyebrows were raised, at least my eyebrows were, at the inclusion of the next one. As I say, it's another non-qualifier. It came 13th in its semi-final, but was only seven points adrift from finishing in the top ten. We are in Latvia. It's 2014, and you want to bake a cake, and I want to know why. Oh, this is so sweet. So, <laughs> is this the one you hate? Oh my God! Oh. I can't get to the end of it. I'm Does sorry. It have weed oh. in it? <laughs> so there's a backstory here. Ah, we thought that might be. Yeah. So this got removed from the book, I think. It's only like hinted at, but basically, that year their selection wasn't Supernova. It was Zizma, starting with a D. And Marcus Riva was there. He had recently been in Playgirl magazine. He's always there. Yeah, <laughs> this was one of his early entries. Samantha Tino was there. She had just been in. Playboy Lithuania, they were famous. We were in Vintspils, this town on the coast. And then um, in the corner, so all the acts, all these famous acts are together. But then in a corner, down a hallway, on his own, was the lead singer of Art Simnieki. And he was just sitting there. And so my colleague Jacob, we go over, and um, he's like, oh, hey, how you doing? And then Joran's like, oh, hey. The other contestants are a little, little bitchy, frankly, because I'm German, I'm not from here. He had had a hit, he had like a fluke hit um, in Latvia. And the other contestants were dismissive of him. He was there singing about a cake, you know? He was unknown, and he was just so kind and so sweet. And then no one expected him to win. There was a singer, Dolls, Dolls, Doms. There was a male singer that started with a D, and everyone thought it was him or Samantha Tina. And then in the super final, it was him and Samantha Tina, but then also Art Simnieki, which means foreigners. And then he won. And so we're at the after party, and there's a buffet dinner. Samantha Tina blows in like 20 minutes late in this ball gown, because clearly she was dressed for victory. And um, yeah, we're standing in the doorway. I'm like, how are you feeling? And she says, she looks to Cake to Bake, or the act, Art Simnieki, and they're reprising Cake to Bake in front of a cake. And she said, it's a joke. (laughs) 
this is a joke. <laughs> and it was just such a showbiz moment. Like, not the fallen diva, but the diva who had to wait a few more years. Um, and then these upstarts who everyone ignored and then they won. And so when I watch it with that in mind, it's so sweet and lovely. Of course, the other secret story is that they ended up hating each other, Art Simnyeki, and they don't speak to each other anymore, as far as I'm aware. But um, let's just remember the happy moment. <laughs> and Samantha Tina, she lost her semi-final after all those years, didn't she? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was so happy when she finally went in 2020 with breathless, breathless still breathing. Yeah, yeah. But then she didn't get to go because of COVID. Yeah. We shall get on to in a short while. Let's bake that cake. The ice of the polar caps Found the raiders of the lost ark Solved the case for the genius from Baker Street Helped to clean the Central Park I created the plan for the Chinese wall Went to desert, made it rain Swam through a shark tank bloodily Found Atlantis, by the way But today I've got a cake to bake I've got no clue at all I've got a cake to bake and haven't done that before Don't be proud, mate, please don't bother Go, come on and ask your mother How to bake, how to bake, bake that cake Tap, 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 cuckoo, cuckoo Tap, 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 cuckoo Tap, 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 cuckoo, cuckoo Tap, tap, tap I talked to a unicorn the other night Took me up on a lonely star did the moonwalk on the Milky Way Realized I'd gone too far So I questioned the law of gravity Put the apple back up to the apple tree A to us, I even learned Latvian I know it's so hard to believe And today I've got a cake to bake I've got no clue at all I've got a cake to bake And haven't done that before Don't be proud, mate, please don't bother context you like this song more than rise like a phoenix you know i love rise like a phoenix so i'm eating tortilla one made this delicious tortilla <laughs> forget baking of cakes <laughs> I'm a, oh my god am i feeling your mouth <laughs> <laughs> when i was doing my list i wasn't doing like 
if I was a juror, the top, you know, 20 songs of all time, I was kind of doing, oh, what makes me feel something? What's sweet? What's connected to a memory? Kind of approached it that way. Hmm. I think that's a very good way. Mm. So what do you think of the song, Juan? I have to say, I like it. But when I rewatched it now on YouTube, my first thought was like, oh my God, this is so white. Only white people would get away with like, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> um, but I a million times prefer this kind of stuff with a bit of uh, originality and identity to like a tired copy of whatever's happening in the charts at the moment, you know? So in, in Eurovision, I, I like this stuff. Can More I say something controversial? Mm. This walked so Aminata Savadogo could run because of the originality, sure. yeah, thinking sure. outside the exactly. box. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And boy, did she sprint. Oh. <laughs> Little question for William about uh, Wee Wee, if you don't mind. Um, you guys must have the stamina of ox, oxen. And as the thing goes by, I mean, I know the first week is rehearsals and God knows how many videos you record every day and uploading all that kind of stuff. But there must be times when your tempers get really fractured and you get really short with one William's another. nodding here, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> know, yeah. you know, and as it goes on, you know, you're approaching the second semi-final, building up to jury mm. show and then the big night. And then at that time, your batteries are just like drained. And when do you get to go to the toilet? Oh, you know, it's funny. My therapist told me, she's like, you need to remember to go to the toilet because I had this problem. <laughs> I wasn't going to pee. Having a trauma dump. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard that term <laughs> and I'm never going to use that term. <laughs> no, I take your point. There was a lot of trauma up there. It was packed in. Like, these are her words. Um, but yeah, no, things do get tense. Like, the thing is, we all, like, love spending time together and, like, that's our kind of, that's our holiday. That's the moment. But as I've gotten older, I am like, people fight over silly things, you know? I, I won't reveal any, you know, of the details of recent fights, but I'm like, why do people fight over stuff like that? But people invest so much of their personalities in the songs that they like. Yeah. And when you say something like, I'm sorry, I don't like Roxanne's amnesia, it's like someone's heard you say, I don't like you. Yeah, that's true. And then the next day you have to say sorry. This is when you need to leave for a little bit. You cannot fuse your identity with an artist. It's very dangerous. It's like you don't invest your psychological capital in someone who isn't you. You're giving them yourself, your soul. It's like making a deal with the devil. Mm. But isn't that what Eurovision fans kind of do? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's dark. <laughs> it's dark. Oh, the angry. It's dark. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I try, this is why, it's funny, because when my blog was growing, I didn't have a job, and then I, I was a freelance journalist, and I had stopped writing my articles, and I was just doing the blog, and I was losing it, and I was really depressed, really unhappy, and this is in the book. But then it's when I got a full-time job, I thought it would kill the blog, because I wanted to kill the blog. I was like, I'll get a full-time job, I won't have any time. But then the blog started getting more views, and I'm like, what the hell? And it's because when you have an outside life, you can be richer in all aspects of your life. And I just... I was so sucked up for so long, but you gotta breathe. You gotta stick your head above the mm -hmm. have your trauma dump, as one would say. <laughs> final, final crew question before the next song. Does Wee Wee Blogs make you money? You could live, but you wouldn't live well. So there's a thing, like, sure, you could live off your blog, but, like, you'd be eating cans of soup on the street. You know what I mean? Like, so there are different levels of living. And so I'm just happy, I'm happy to work. Right, it's 2015, and we've entered the era where the running order is determined by the producers of the show, and not randomly, from drawing countries from a hat to give each song a fair chance and supposedly to give a light and shade in the running order. 
He's not a like, fan of the running order. Do you order. like this? This, this, this the way of mm. determining the running order? Andy would prefer it all to go to chance and run the risk of seven ballads opening the contest. Oh, <laughs> the reason I say that, we did a Sweden show, uh, was our last one, and I worked out in the last ten years, the earliest Sweden have sung is ninth. Sweden haven't sung in the first third of the contest for ten years, but then you compare that to... Latvia, Latvia, Portugal, Romania, Latvia, Georgia, Czech Republic, yeah. and it's just so manipulated. Anyway, 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 that's another. Get off your hobby horse. Podcast. <laughs> Not for the first time do we have this next one on a desert island show. You've opted to go to Estonia for three minutes in the company of Stig Raster and Alina Born. Tell us why. You know, for me, Eurovision is all about the media coverage, the hype, the journey. Like, I think in September or October, it was very early this song came out and the betting odds shifted. Mm. And we had just started doing YouTube hardcore that season, that fall. And we were filming reaction videos, which was a new thing. It was like a little oh talk show. God, reaction <laughs> videos. Oh. Talking about songs and we were very guarded, but this, all of us were like, this is incredible. This is amazing. Little Estonia, look what they've done. This, and this is a potential winner. Yeah, it felt like that. And um, it ended up coming, what, sixth or seventh? It, seventh, it yeah. did quite well. And um, I think this has uh, stayed the test of time. It still ve feels very fresh. It has a vintage feel. It hasn't expired. They hated each other in real life. Really? Um, oh, yeah. So when you watch the anger in the song, she's angry. There, she, she's like, I don't want to talk to you. It's um, it's really interesting how that played to their favor. It had, had, a bit, had a bit more chemistry in Verona, didn't it? Yeah, that was like two mannequins. <laughs> And I loved that, though. Uh, let's play Goodbye to Yesterday. I woke up at 6 a.m. My eyes were closed, but my mind was awake. Pretended I was breathing in a deep sleep pace. Got dressed so quietly. I was frozen by the jingle on my keys at the door. As I got outside. To the door. I didn't want to wake you up. My life was never gonna be enough. So I took my things and got out of the way now, girl.
Thank you. Good boy. Estonia so for men. One set of 12 points. Who gave Estonia 12 points? Spain. That's, That's unlikely. Hmm. Do we like that song? We love it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm a little bit lukewarm. Oh, lukewarm. No, I mean, no, it's no, good, no. it's good, but everyone seems to think that it had winner potential. I never saw winner potential. I always saw top ten potential. Such a bitch. Mm. No, no, no. It's just it didn't, mm. it didn't resonate. I think it's one of those songs that when you look at the cast list of the 2015 songs, there are certain numbers that lose their appeal with passing of time. Which is like I can see why it did well on the night, but but this one actually grows more and more in popularity amongst people. Uh, I just think it's it's timeless. I think um, it would travel outside of the Eurovision bubble as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good choice, William. We like it. And much better than Kate Bake, if I may say so. <laughs> Hello, dear listener. Time flies when you're having fun. And we had so much fun with Mr. Lee Adams that there is enough for seconds. So stay tuned for part two. Bye! Oh, 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 oh,